It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here and joining me from the ringer, uh, Ubering, I believe, at this very moment, Robert Mays. Robert, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. I do not own a car and I have to go to the grocery store to buy friends giving groceries. So this is my option. Uh, it's not, can't really walk, can't do anything else. So I've been limited to this. Now, I think we talked another time, if Purple Podcast listeners remember, about your car challenges and the difficulties of getting a license in Illinois. I succeeded in that. I have a driver's license. Oh, okay. Just no car. So that is nice because I, in the last time I saw you, I actually was in Minneapolis and I got in a car accident for the first time in about 10 years. How did that happen? uh, Just some shenanigans in a parking lot. Uh, near the facility, so nothing terrible. It was just annoying more than anything else. So, but there's nothing. There's car, nothing near the, the facility. are not worth it. There's nothing near the facility. It's like just land. I think I was in a gas station parking lot or something. Oh, I honestly can't even remember. That's that's tough. Well, we're all sorry about that. I, I would have guessed. I would have guessed merging would have been where you would have. Uh, that, that's probably one. Well, considering all the traffic you, or the construction you guys have going on up there, that would be the normal answer. But uh. No, fortunately, it was much more boring than that. <laughs> it has only gotten worse uh, since you left. Good, the good. I'm so glad. Um, so, uh, Robert, Bears Vikings, uh, it was nice to see you during training camp, but a lot has changed since we have last talked about the Minnesota Vikings, and you're there in Chicago and follow the Bears pretty closely. So I wanted to have you on for this. Uh, let me start with RPOs, because when you were in Minneapolis – slash St. Paul, I was uh, uh, reading your work, some conversation about uh, RPOs with John Filippo and a number of other people around the league, and I brought it up earlier this week on the podcast just how it hasn't really taken over the league, but this team is one where you need to keep an eye on it because Mitch Trubisky will actually run. So tell me about kind of where you think RPOs went throughout this season, if they're being used as much as you thought or if they've morphed as much as you thought, and how Chicago uses them. Uh, they've morphed a little bit in the sense that I think, you know, more teams are, are going away from the version that the Eagles were using, where they were trying to throw those pop passes, like slants back into the void left back side. 
And the Bears use them somewhat like that. You'll see Trubisky exploit the middle of the field with them, but they also use a ton of those kind of the slant bubble RPO. Mm-hmm. So they'll have Jordan Howard and three Conan at the same time. They'll have Conan in the slot and Conan will run a bubble, and then they'll use the running play back with Jordan Howard coming the other way. <coughs> Excuse me. I, just told, I went told you I went to a concert last night and I sound absolutely horrendous. Uh, they the Bears use them in that way, and it's really just a numbers game. Like the Bears, for the most part, it's almost all pre-snap RPOs, and I mean, a majority of them are. And it's underrated, kind of this idea that you're making this choice after the snap happens. The Eagles did it somewhat last year, but almost all of these decisions are dictated by how many guys are in the box before the ball is snapped, and the Bears use those primarily. And, and with Matt Nagy coming from Andy Reid, I think you always wonder, like, is Matt Nagy going to be like Dave Grohl and start his own band and then make, like, good music? Or is he going to be like an Andy Reid cover band and have it not really be the same? Uh, what do you think it's been for him? Because obviously they've had a heck of a lot more success than John Fox. But I think, like, you and I probably could have gotten together and just, like, used our Madden offense and had more success than John Fox. So what most likely I also really enjoyed the pot shots that Zimmer was taking at him this week. The idea that it's no longer two yards in a cloud of dust. And it's clearly it's not even a veiled shot at what their offense was under John Fox, which I really appreciate. Mike is not one to mince words. And I've always really loved that about him. You may not, but uh, I don't have to deal with it every day. Oh, so, no, I, I do. I do love okay. it. Uh, but sometimes uh, sometimes I'm just, like, in the crosshairs there. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I, but, I, but, I'm far enough away from it where it's not an actual threat to my life or my happiness. Oh, so no. I get it, to enjoy it from trust a safe me, distance, which I really appreciate. A thousand times out of a thousand, I will take the coach who every once in a while craps on a question of mine who actually gives real answers and says stuff as opposed to the culture monsters that we have invented for younger coaches who just want to spew nonsense at you for every, for every day for a full season, I would really get tired of that. So I, I will, yeah, it'd be I awful. Will take... I know you definitely have the better of those two worlds. I, I 100% agree. Yeah, for and sure. It's always, we're getting off topic here and I'll, I'll get back there in a second, but it's always the guys who had to wait really long time to get their job. Like Bruce Arians and Mike Zimmer, why do they care? Like, what's the worst that can happen to Mike Zimmer? He gets fired and he retires with all the money he just made over the last five years. He doesn't care. He doesn't care whatsoever. Those are always the guys that are willing to kind of shoot from the hip, which I'm again, I always appreciate. Well, I think but anyway, with, I, I well, I like I like this this topic. So let me I'll circle back to Matt Nagy. I promise. But I what I like about Zimmer is that he came from Parcells and he worships Parcells. So he thinks that that's the way you do it. That like, you just say whatever you want to say. And if someone has a problem with it, they can buzz off. And he actually has learned though. He's gotten a little more savvy with it because he was so aggressively honest at times that it would manipulate players. If he was like too forward with something like say, Mm -hmm. Anthony Barr tends to coast was the, the famous one that sort of got yeah. frustrated, you know, and, and he's gotten much better at actually turning it around on us. So now we get more of his honest aggression toward us and how he hates everything we're doing, <laughs> but le- but less of it toward his own players. And it, it's been, it's been a really interesting dance to watch because he hasn't toned down the honesty. He's just sort of redirected it. That's, that makes total sense. All right. So getting to the Matt Nagy thing, I feel like it's not a Led Zeppelin cover, excuse me, I, it, it's not an Andy Reid cover band. 
it's like Jimmy Page's music after he left Led Zeppelin. If the bones of it are still very similar. It's still Jimmy Page, but you can see the originality that's built in there. I mean, there are some elements where you see it and it's wholesale lifted from what Andy Reid's offense was. But then there's other stuff, the route combinations, some of the wheel routes they've run out of trips formations. That it, it's stuff that's like, all right, I mean, he's clearly putting his own wrinkles on this. So it, uh, I've enjoyed it. I mean, it's really impossible to argue with the results that they've had. You have a Bears offense that's currently seventh in passing DVOA with Mitch Trubisky. Seventh. It's bizarre to watch. I mean, they've led by two, at least two scores for longer than they've trailed this season. Wow. It, it's gone as well as it possibly could have. And I don't know how good this team actually is, but I do know that they're pretty much the best version of who they could be, given what their personnel is. Okay, so this is really interesting to me because I like to look at the pro football focus stats. I'm sure you do too. And they grade Mitch Trubisky slightly worse than Case Keenum so far this year. Which, which is, I'm, I'm sure, like mind blowing to most people, but they're they're only grading the throws usually, right? So, uh, w- what is your take on how Mitch Trubisky has actually played versus how much is Matt Nagy being a really smart football man? I think he's gotten better, and I think his last couple games, this last game he played against Detroit was probably the best game I've seen him play this year, and he's had a couple of those games where I've sat there and said, "All right, this looks really good," but there are also moments where he just drives you insane. There's been so many moments this year where he's missing throws. There's one throw he constantly misses, and it's Taylor Gabriel coming right to left out of the slot on a play-action throw where he's always wide open. And Trubisky's just airmailed that so many times. You go back and you watch the game this week. It was a throw he hit. Dan Orlovsky actually did a great job of breaking it down on Twitter, as he usually does. It was a throw that Trubisky hit up the seam to Allen Robinson. Saw that. And it was really based on the throw, the coverage on the play. It was three, cover three buzz coverage where the safety was going to kind of be sitting in that hole to the field side to Trubisky's right. And he just put it on a dime right to Allen Robinson. And his, I feel like his accuracy was his greatest strength in college. And then he was an accurate passer at times last year. But then you saw what was happening over the first half of this season, and he's airmailing these throws. And you're thinking, what's going on? I mean, now we're getting new problems with the old problems. Mm-hmm. And I honestly do think that it was a lack of decisiveness when he's not really ripping those throws because he's not sure about them. His feet become a mess, and then he starts throwing, putting balls high. It's never low. It's always high, and that's a problem, especially over the middle. And I just feel like now, you know, nine games into this tenure with Nagy, he's so much more comfortable with where the ball's supposed to go quickly in the down that you're not seeing that stuff anymore. It's an immensely complicated offense. I mean, it's like what Zimmer said today. I think they had 800 plays. And throwing that to a guy that only had 13 college starts that played in an offense we could have devised last year, it was always going to take time. And maybe this is just me and my Bears love and I'm trying to rationalize this. But it honestly does feel like we're there's progress being made. It's going in the right direction. And when we talk about the difference from last year to this year, Kendall Wright had 59 catches. Kendall yes. Wright could not make the Vikings, and Chad Beebe is getting playing time for the Vikings now as a wide receiver. And Kendall Wright could not make possible. the team. Like, are it, you it serious? It's the best example possible if you want to know how much their pass catchers have turned over. It, it, it's one of those things. You're watching this entire season. 
and they're, they succeed with Allen Robinson for two games. And then they drop him back in. You're like, oh, yeah, Allen Robinson is amazing. Right. right. And it's, I mean, he's just a guy on that team. They don't need to force-feed him targets because Taylor Gabriel's been really good. Trey Bennett's been really good. Anthony Miller's come on in the last three weeks to the point where it's like, wow. <laughs> it's Their fourth receiver is better than the number one guy they had last year. And when you combine that with a very talented offensive play caller and an ascending quarterback to where he's ascending, I'm not sure, but it's definitely – the arrow's going up, it, it leads to this. It leads to an offense that is actually fun, that actually is something you want to see. It's innovative. It puts their guys in the best positions to win, and that's just not something we're used to seeing in Chicago. So now you already said that you're not sure how good they are, but I want to ask you anyway, how good are they? Because they don't have an impressive win, really, and the Lions, oh my gosh, like they don't want to yeah. play football anymore. And it's starting to fall apart. Yeah, pretty bad. I, I, once the coach criticizes a reporter's posture, it's over. Like the season, over. the season is over. Yeah. Like you're yep, not even halfway through your first goes. year. Like so, uh, but but I can't figure this out about either team really because the Vikings don't have a win over anyone with a above 500 record either. I'm of two minds about it. I feel like even if you're not beating really good teams, you should destroy bad teams. Right. That's what good teams do. And point differential and all this stuff, I, I know it's not the most important thing, but we've seen year after year that Pythagorean wins tend to matter in defining who you actually are as a team. If you outperform your point differential in terms of wins and losses, you're, you tend to regress. And that's why I think good teams destroy the teams that are worse than them. And if you look what's happened over the last three weeks, that's exactly what the Bears have done. I mean, they have taken care of business mm-hmm. against the Jets, the Bills, and the Lions. And that Lions game, the final was 36-22. That is not a 36-22 football game. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. It was a demolishing. The only game that I think they played this year where they did not play as well as they could against the competition they were facing was that game against Miami. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a bizarre football game where the Dolphins were throwing. I mean, Brock Osweiler had, I believe, 350 yards in that game, 273 of them came after the catch. But they just could not <laughs> tackle. I mean, it was just bizarre to watch. They're throwing all these wide receiver screens and quick passes. And Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos, who've had excellent seasons, and Bryce Callahan as well, especially as tacklers, just all over the place. So that's the only fluke game. Outside of that, I feel like the t- performances they've had are the, are the team that they are. And that team, I believe can win 10 games in the division. I honestly do. See, I, I think they were just lucky to not face the Matt Barkley Bills. I think that's what yes, I'm that's exactly right. <laughs> but that's exa- that's the exact type of game I'm talking about, is the Lions got beat by the Bills. So we can say they haven't beaten anyone, but they took care of business against the teams that you should beat when other teams in that division didn't necessarily. I mean, the Vikings lost. If you look at what the Packers did against the Bills, it was miserable. Yeah. I mean, they were so frustrated. They won that game by a couple different, couple scores. This the sounds of Chicago here, Metro train going by. They won a, that game by a couple of scores, but Rodgers was furious after, and rightfully so. They yeah. did not play well. And they do have a great defense. I mean, it's, a, it's an honestly legit defense that ruined the Vikings game plan because they kept making Kirk Cousins fumble. So yeah. putting up 41 uh, and, on them is pretty yeah, good. They do. And, and I'll tell you good. what. The Bears also have a legit defense. <laughs> well, that's it, it, with that's, Khalil with Mac back, it's unbelievable. You know, it reminds me not schematically, but the reason they're having success reminds me of Minnesota last year. Mm-hmm. The Bears have missed two games 
from Mac, and that's really it. And he, he only missed those two games because they wanted to get him healthy. It's not as if he was seriously hurt. They just knew they could beat the Jets and the Bills without him, so they put him on the bench. I mean, for the most part, they've gotten every snap from every relevant player except from a couple games of Mac, and then Bilal Nichols you know, missed a game, and uh, Danny Trevathan missed a half. And when those are is that when that's what you're talking about, you're really nitpicking. You've gotten very lucky health wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened with the Vikings. Uh, now, Kirk Cousins has been under pressure a lot this season, forty percent of the time. Uh, but uh, it seems like in a game like this, that could be above average uh, against the Bears. What what has been your your takeaway? And I appreciate your tweet a few weeks ago about the Vikings' offensive line being uh, a little bit of a, a problem as we were projecting in training camp. But uh, what what has been your take on the Vikings offense with Kirk Cousins, or even if we get a full look at what he can be because the offensive line has been so bad? It, it's a combination of stuff, right? It's losing a guy like Nick Easton in the preseason, and then the shuffling that results from that. I believe Mike Remmers, his agent, was tweeting about this a couple weeks ago, just that Mike Remmers has had a half a season at guard, yeah. and if he's playing well, that's a miracle, which is true. I mean, we just assume these guys can bounce from spot to spot, but they can't. And I think it's a combination of, one, having to move guys around because of season-ending type injuries, and two, injuries that are limiting guys that are actually playing. You know, Pat Elfline's been on the field, but has he played like he did last year? No. I mean, he just doesn't look like the same guy. He's not all the way back yet. And Riley Reef, even when he's been on the field, has been on the injury report constantly. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how you get a disaster situation like it's been for them. You lose a couple of guys or you lose one guy and another guy moves over. And then it's, and that makes you downgrade like three spots. I mean, think about having to move Remmers to guard and then moving Hill to tackle. You get worse twice right. instead of only getting worse once. And you have guys that are not playing their natural position. And when you combine that with dudes that are hurt and, but still playing, that's what you get. I mean, this is the exact result. So and I, and I think that that's limited what John D. Filippo can do because they are one sure. of the, the shortest uh, air yards passing offenses in the league. And I I wrote about aggressiveness and and whether they should try to go down the field more often. They they definitely should try to throw into coverage more often when it's Diggs and Thielen because they're so good on contested catches. But opportunities to throw down the field are limited when a guy, a guy can't run a complicated route twenty yards down the field if he's got this offensive line. So I, I think with both Cousins and Filippo, that it's hard to see the same Cousins that we saw in 2016 when he had that amazing offensive line in Washington. I think he's been incredible this year. I honestly do. I mean, you have a couple of mistakes, but even that, that Saints game, I mean, that interception's on Diggs. Uh, it, there, the moments that he's been bad, I think that you take those considering how good he's been. There are so many throws he's been able to put on a guy down the field while having to change his arm angle because there was a dude falling into him. Just tons of that this year. I, I watched Kirk Cousins in Washington, but I watch more NFC North football than I do NFC East football, even though I cover the entire league. And I've just been blown away by how good he's been in stretches. So I don't think his numbers will be the same because they can't be just based on infrastructure alone. But I think the quarterback he's been has been just as good or better. Yeah, it's an interesting thing with him because he has been amazing when it comes to down-the-field throws. Just absolutely incredible. He's maximized the talents of Thielen and Diggs, uh, especially Thielen so far this year. He's the top receiver in the league. At the same time, it's like the catastrophic mistakes 
have been an issue, though, you know, like, yeah. and, and it's kind of very Kirk Cousins like. And maybe one of the things that frustrated Jay Gruden in Washington was, you know, last year I was watching a, a Washington game where they're driving and they're in the red zone and he gets pressured and just hurls the ball to nobody and it gets picked off. And it's, it's like he's, he does stuff like that. You know, it's like he has these these sort of moments where he blacks out and just does something that you just can't figure out. And and I think that that's Which happening. Which game are you thinking of this year? Uh, well, I, I, the Buffalo game for one. I mean, yeah, 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 that, yeah. I mean, I was, it's for him. It's guys throw interceptions, right? That happens. But for him, his biggest issue has always been he's going to throw interceptions because of decision making, but he also puts the ball on the ground. And when you combine those two things, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but he's got to be up there in terms of fumbles over the last five seasons. Number sure one, he's not number one. He's in the top three. No, he's number one. Yeah, since so, I mean, 2015. That, yeah. Um, well, there was also the there was the interception against I think it was Arizona where he gets pressured and just throws it up, that one. throws it up into nobody. Actually, did it against the Lions too, like where it was just a a bootlegs rolling out. Uh, they they read it a little bit, pressure them, and just lets it fly, and it gets picked off, and it, it kind of happens a lot. But you're right; it's really the combination of those two that would make you nervous. And I think that's the way that a lot of Vikings fans have described Cousins to me, just in in you know callers calling in and people tweeting, is really that he's an excellent talent. He just makes you nervous the whole game because you're not sure if he's going to make a catastrophic mistake. You'd much rather have Kirk Cousins than Case Keenum. Oh, no question. I mean, it's just not, it's not even a conversation. Yeah, no right? debate. When I was talking to Rick Spielman before the year, and we were just kind of discussing their quarterback decision, and the tone with which he said it, I'm sure he said this to you guys as well, is just that you don't get a guy like Kirk Cousins in free agency. Right. I mean, whatever the money he's making is, that guy does not become available. And I totally agree with him. And a guy that does become available is always going to have some warts. But his talent alone you cannot sign that quarterback in free agency. Right. And when you have the chance to, I think you have to just put on the full court press and see if you can make it happen. Yeah, well, that's the thing that, that we sort of go around on is it was absolutely the right decision, but can he win a Super Bowl? You know what I mean? Like when you paid $84 million, is he good enough to beat Drew Brees in a playoff game? And, and I think this team probably has too many flaws compared to New Orleans to be able to do that, don't you? Or last year's team. Uh, or last year's Vikings team. I mean, Case Keenum almost won a Super Bowl yeah. with this team. Yeah. So that's when I can Kirk Cousins win a Super Bowl. Absolutely. It doesn't matter how good of a quarterback you are. You still need some infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Some. And when you look at the offensive lines that Drew Brees and Tom Brady have, I know they get rid of the ball quickly, but they also have two great pass blocking offensive lines. Yeah. So really it's. I believe that truly great quarterbacks can often overcome some of their circumstances. That's why I still think Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the league because he's been overcoming them for like five straight years with Mike McCarthy. But I also think that that tier of quarterback is incredibly small. Mm -hmm. I think it's maybe one, two or three guys. Everyone else needs help of some kind, whether it's schematic or personnel and He's gotten the schematic help. I think John DeFilippo's done an excellent job. He has not gotten the personnel help. The receivers are very good, but when your offensive line is collapsing on almost every single play, it's impossible to be successful at the highest level. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree, and I think when they get to the playoffs, assuming they do, 
that that is probably the undoing. And then, um, then I could just shout the name Will Hernandez during the post game uh, or end of year press conference. <laughs> Will Hernandez. Uh, anyway, uh, Robert, awesome stuff. Uh, I read your article on jet sweeps that you posted recently. It's pinned to your Twitter at Robert Mays. Um, so check that out. I see that you've written about Andrew Luck. I have not read that yet, but, uh, look, I wrote about Andrew Luck today. Awesome. It's very much that infrastructure for quarterbacks conversation we were just having. So I got, I got an argument with someone from Seattle about, um, about Andrew Luck before the season because I, I was thinking with Frank Reich that he could maximize his full potential and be in the, like a top five quarterback. What's your take on that? I totally agree. That's pretty much what I just wrote. <laughs> I, I think that what Spoiler. Reich has done for him, I, I think he has a chance to be better in this stretch with Reich than he ever was before. And if you thought he was really good before, then he, I think he has a chance to be even better now. He hasn't gotten sacked since October 5th. Wow. He's getting sacked on 2.7% of their dropbacks. This is a guy that was pressured on 278 dropbacks in 2016. That led the league. That was more than Russell Wilson. He got sacked 41 times that year. He's gotten sacked 10 times in nine games this year. I mean, it's night and day. And when you consider the fact that he doesn't exactly shy away from contact, that offense and that downfield passing design was a recipe for disaster. Right. And now you have a coach that is purposefully in every way trying to insulate and protect him. And it's made all the difference. I think they have a chance to be fantastic over the next three or four years as Chris Ballard has more time to build up that defense. I really do. Yeah, and uh, Quentin Nelson is a fun man to watch at guard. Um, it's been perfect. And I know a number six overall is a lot to pay for a guard, but that combined with getting Braden Smith in the second round and being able to just pop him at right tackle, that it's a franchise-altering draft for them. And I, I wrote it today in the luck thing. It's, it's amazing what happens when you switch out a general manager that trades first round picks with Trent Richardson <laughs> with a guy who trades down to get offensive and defensive linemen. It's, it's, who would have thought that would have worked out? Mm, Braden Smith, that sounds like a lineman who could have helped the Vikings, but isn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Brian O'Neill has done pretty well stepping in. So yeah, I, he's I, been I fine. To, I have to he's say, been fine. I, I do have to add that. It was just, I, I, when Mike Zimmer, after week one, when Mike Hughes got an interception, said, huh, you guys didn't want us to draft Mike Hughes. It was like, that's not exactly what we said, sir. Have you seen hey, your offensive line? That was that meme line? I made, where it was that, that guy looking me. It was, he was that, uh, Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are always going to be checking out the, yes. the, fight, the quarterback depth over the offensive line depth, always. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, all right, let me make one more lame joke, and then I will let you go. Uh, I thought I was concerned about Frank Reich as a head coach because I thought he just might try to let the other team get up by 35 in every game. <laughs> that would, like, be a strategy. That is a terrible joke, That's... but I'm going to let you make it. Oh, okay, all right. All right. Are well, you going to be at the game on Sunday? I will. Will you? I will, I will be there. It's my first NFL game of the year because I can't go to anything but night games and the Bears are not playing on Sunday night except for this. So that's, uh, I will be there. I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I will see you then. I suggest everyone check out your work. Just follow you at Robert Mays on Twitter. Very awesome. Always unique stuff and very much in depth for you crazy football folks. And we will talk to you again on the Purple Podcast. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 
Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.